Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Welcome back to the Sideline Podcast with Coach Steve. And, of course, this is Coach Steve. I have another guest on today. I have Coach Sheffer on. Um, we've actually – we've never met till he started doing his podcast, and we finally got to meet on Zoom. Um, you know, I think throughout social media throughout the years, there's been times where we've said things back and forth to each other or whatever it was. Um, so we've known of each other but never met till he did his podcast. Um, so, Coach, if you want to introduce yourself, I've got about five listeners. So, you know – 
just let them know who you are and uh, what you're comfortable sharing with everybody. Hey, man, I really appreciate you having me on, and it'd be worth it if there was just one listener. So, uh, yeah, my name is uh, Coach Darren Sheffer. I am the offensive line coach at Brentsville District High School in Noakesville, Virginia. That is in Northern Virginia, so we're right outside of D.C. Um, and this will be my sixth year coaching in high school. Uh, I've been at three different schools, but this at the school that I'm at currently, this is the longest tenure that I've had. Um, and I'm really glad to be on the podcast. And uh, uh, Coach Steve, you are a uh, regular guest on my co- podcast, the uh, Armchair Coaching Podcast, where we talk a lot about uh, college football and some other stuff that goes or, goes on in the football world and I'm really glad I'm glad to have uh, actually been able to meet you face to face you know through zoom but uh, Twitter's an amazing an amazing thing for coaching so yeah uh, social media can be as good as you want or as bad as you want and we just chose the good side of it um, you guys this podcast is better than mine um, I started it way back when but he had a better idea with college football stuff and mine's just a hodgepodge but you know that's what I do it's life it's a hodgepodge um, so go check his out. It's all over. We just found out it was on uh, iTunes, on Apple. You know, we had to figure that out. So go check him out. Um, usually he's recording on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I've been a part of that. Um, won't be a part of the next one when they talk about Ohio State, but we'll get to the Alabama and I'll, I'll get on that one. Um, there's, plenty, there's plenty to talk about, plenty of and, – and I don't know if we're necess- if mine is better. I think it's just – it's a little bit different. So uh, well, you, a couple more, more – uh, there's a lot more voices to be heard, um, a lot more competing theories going on. And this one's kind of nice. It's either just you or it's just one of us face-to-face. So it's a little bit different, I'd say. Right, yeah, because I started mine back in February, and I was just going to do this type of stuff, or I was going to talk about Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL. Well, then COVID happened because they knew I started a podcast and decided to stop. So I take the blame for that, I guess. Um, but we'll get going because I know Coach has a family. I'm taking his time away. He's got other things to do. So we'll get going. Um, I'm always curious how people get into coaching because I wanted to coach since I was 16 years old. And I played with guys saying, why would you coach? People still say that to me because all the time it takes, you got to deal with, you know, 15 to 18-year-old kids I'm at the high school level. So how did you get into coaching? Was it from playing? Was it a coach that got you involved? Uh, so tell us how you got into this crazy world we live in well um I guess I'll take you all the way back to the beginning I have been playing football since I was about six or seven years old um my where I grew up around Rockingham County Virginia which is um if anybody's familiar with uh James Madison University JMU uh, I grew up uh, about 20 minutes away from the JMU campus um, really beautiful part of the state. Um, it's very different from where I live now. It's a lot more rural than where I live now. But um, it was a definitely a football town. Um, the local high school, if you played in the particular um, youth league that I played in, you were basically guaranteed to go to that high school eventually. And so um, later on, we'll talk a little bit about wing T. But the way it worked because it was a it was a very tight knit community. Um, the high school ran the wing tee, so the um, local youth leagues all ran the wing tee. The JV teams ran the wing tee. They all went to the high school for clinics. 
Um, and so I played through all that and I went to high school and I really necessarily didn't necessarily fall in love with playing football until I got to high school. Um, our coaches really had a huge impact on me, especially the offensive coordinator at my high school at uh, Turner Ashby High School. Your viewers probably don't know where that is. It's fine. Uh, it's a small school in the middle of Virginia. Um, it was definitely a football school when I was there. And the offensive coordinator was just a great man. Uh, his name was um, Coach Donnie Coleman. Um, again, you got probably guys don't know who that is, but he is now a head coach at a different school in that area. And they are a powerhouse because that guy just knew how to coach. He's very good with relationships. Um, and he taught me, he was basically like an extra father figure. Um, and he taught me a lot of things, not just football wise, but about how, what it's like to be a man and stuff like that. He was definitely someone I looked up to. Um, and so looking back, he's definitely somebody that I try to emulate myself after as a coach. I try to um, use the same lessons that he taught us. Um, and then I uh, went to Bridgewater College, which is also in Virginia, not too far away from James Madison University. It's a D3 school. I walked on um, my freshman year and I didn't play at all. I was technically redshirted, which works differently in D3. Um, you can't practice as a redshirt. Um, the reason I didn't play my uh, freshman year was because I had a pretty serious ACL, uh, MCL injury in, in uh, my senior year in high school. And um, I was still recovering and still uh, recuperating from that when I got to uh, Bridgewater. And our coach, Coach Clark, um, and the offensive coordinator that was there as well, he was also the strength coach. I, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. He's a high school coach in Virginia now. Um, they really got me into um, film. And I helped out with filming practice and filming games when I wasn't working out and stuff like that. Um, and he started teaching me how to read film, how to look at defenses and all that kind of stuff, um, how to understand uh, offenses that when it's drawn on the board, we ran a, uh, a pro style offense there when he was there, a lot of I formations. Uh, we did a lot of shotgun stuff and I played, I played fullback, which was a uh, pretty big in his offense. Um, and so I had to learn a lot. I had to learn a lot about blocking schemes that I had no idea about before then I had to learn a lot about running routes because I never ran a route in high school because I was an offensive guard and defensive tackle at my high school. Um, but they put me at fullback in college and they're saying, all right, go run a, go run a flag route. And I'm like, what's a flag route. <laughs> um, so I had to learn all that stuff on fly. And um, my sophomore year, I got back into like full pads and all that. And I made it, most of the way through um, two a days, but my, unfortunately my knee gave out on me again and I wasn't able to continue. Um, so I decided to give up football or give up playing football. And I, I will remember this meeting I had with coach Clark, he, who was the head coach is still the head coach at, at Bridgewater. Um, he told me, he asked me, are you interested in coaching at all? And I at the time I hadn't even thought about it um, because I was just, I was still consumed with crap. I'm never going to play football again. Um, 
and I had never thought about it. And I was like, I haven't really thought about it yet. And he's like, well, I think you should look into it because you, you were one of the smarter kids on the field and you understood what was going on with the X's and O's and um, you were a fast learner and, and stuff like that. Um, and so that kind of stuck with me. Uh, I graduated college. Um, I earned a uh, bachelor's of science in environmental science. And I decided to go to grad school because I'm, I was an idiot. <laughs> Still an idiot. Um, and so I went to grad school in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. So my wife and I moved to Pittsburgh and she went to the same grad school I did. Um, and we were up there for about a year. I, I wasn't coaching up there, but I was still, I was thinking about it. I was trying to think about what I wanted to do with my life um, after we got out of grad school. So I uh, earned my master's in biology up there and um, I moved back into the Northern Virginia area. And it was about a week after I moved back, I had been applying to schools to, as to be a teacher because I was like, well, I want to coach. So what can I do with coaching? Oh, I might as well become a teacher. Um, and so my wife came in the room one day and there was a, an ad in the local newspaper for one of the local schools that had gotten a brand new coach and he was looking for uh, assistant coaches. So I called him up, said, Hey, I'm really interested in coaching. Um, I don't, you know, I told him I'd never coached before. And he's like, that's fine. I'll bring you in. We'll teach you what you need to know. And that's how I got into coaching. Um, yeah. No, uh, that's good. Um, you know, uh, my mine was unique. I want. I, ever since I was 16, I saw my head coach in high school, and I was like, I, that's what I want to do. You know, some people don't realize it until later on. I knew right from the get-go. So, like, you know, I could, we're about the same age, but I've been coaching longer because I started doing it right away. I was 18, 19 years old. Uh, but it's amazing when you're in college and you help out with, football and the film, how they watch film is amazing. I helped out with uh, Dino Babers at Eastern uh, when he was there and Jimmy G was there. He's younger, Jimmy G's younger than me. Um, spring ball and watching the film and everything. It's, it's crazy what their eyes see that your eyes don't see or they'll spend 20 minutes on a clip and you know, it's, it's crazy. Um, so going to your coaching experience, um, what levels have you coached? Has it always been varsity? Did you have to coach freshmen at some point? Um, you know, uh, you, how'd you get to the B, uh, you're the varsity offensive line coach now. How'd you get to that point? Yeah, so um, my first job was at a local high school um, called Fauquier High School um, in Fauquier County. And the head coach there at the time, he was brand new, had just moved in from Kentucky. Uh, his name was uh, Coach Prince, and he was a veteran. Um, I'm not going to call him old, but he was a veteran. Uh, he had had a lot of success at the schools he was at in Kentucky. Um, and I, when in the meeting, I was like, look, I don't have any experience coaching. I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just – I'm looking to learn. Um, and he's like, okay, uh, you will be my assistant O-line, D-line coach, um, and he was going to be the head – the main O-line, D-line coach is the head coach. Um, and I was like, sure, great. You know, I'm going to learn under you and, and uh, get a good education. Unfortunately, um, well, I, I, wouldn't, I shouldn't say unfortunately because who knows what our path is supposed to be. Um, I got a call a couple weeks later from another school that I had interviewed for teaching and they wanted to hire me. 
And um, head coach told me that I, I had to do it. I had to get, get hired and go teach. Unfortunately, it was about like an hour um, commute from one school to another. And so I really never had the chance um, to view a whole lot of practice and stuff like that. And so mainly I used my skills that I had learned in college. I did a lot of film, like especially game day. Um, I tried to help out as much as I possibly could, tried to learn, tried to absorb as much as I could. Uh, but then the next year, I decided it was probably a better idea to try to coach at the school that I was teaching at just to make things a little bit more efficient. Um, and so I decided to talk to the head coach at um, the school I was teaching at is called Garfield High School uh, in Woodbridge, Virginia. Now, I don't want to talk bad about a school because I really enjoyed my experience there and I learned a lot. But this was a school that had struggled athletically for years, especially in football. It was one of the bigger schools in our district. Um, we had 2,500 kids on average in the school, but we struggled to get 20, 21 kids on the football roster. Um, it was just not a very positive culture, especially with the varsity coach. Um, you know, I still like the guy, but he was definitely not a uh, culture coordinator. Um, and he was definitely, it was my way or the highway, which did not work with the type of kids that we had. And he asked me to be uh, a ninth, a uh, freshman coach. And I agreed. And then a day later, he asked me if I wanted to be the head freshman coach. And uh, me being young and eager, I said, heck yeah, I'll do it. Um, thinking that I knew everything I needed to know to be a freshman coach because I had played before. Um, and if any of your viewers go to YouTube <laughs> and they look up my YouTube uh, um, page, I have a couple videos from back in the day where I, uh, I go through my experience as a freshman coach. It was not pleasant. Um, I learned a lot. I was humbled very much. Um, I had a series of like blog posts that I wrote called O and eight, how a losing season made me a better coach. <laughs> Um, it was very humbling, but at the same time, I think it was a very necessary experience for me because what it did, it, it w awoke me to the fact that a, I don't know everything and B, I need to go out and start learning. And it very, it like drove my hunger for knowledge for football. Um, and so the next year I decided to take the year off because my son was being born. It was another big year in school. Um, and I did nothing but research. I just researched, researched, researched everything I possibly could, offense, defense, um, mainly offense because my, my blog that I wrote is obsessed with offense. <laughs> um, and so a year later, I decided, okay, my life is kind of leveling out now. We've got this under control. Um, I decided to try to get back into coaching and um, one second. The school that I'm at now, Brentsville District High School, is 10 minutes away from my house. Um, now, the landscape in our county, we're Prince William County, all of the other high schools in our county are 6A. That's the highest division in, in Virginia. Big schools, right? Uh, Brentsville District High School is a tiny little, tiny little school. It's a 3A school, about 1,000 kids at the most. 
Um, and so we don't play any of those schools. We got to play at other, other people. And I decided to reach out to that coach on Twitter, Coach Mullinax. And um, I said, hey, I'm interested in being a coach. If you got a job, if you got a job opening, I'd love to um, try to come in and interview. And he said, yeah, we got an opening. It's as the linebackers coach. Can you come in tomorrow? And uh, I kind of hesitated at first. And I was like, yeah, I'll come in, but I don't know anything about linebackers. <laughs> uh, so I went in and um, he put me on the board trying to draw up a defense. And I'm going to be honest, I, I probably made a fool of myself. Uh, I really didn't know anything about defense. Um, but over the last two years, I've spent under his tutelage, he's the defensive coordinator uh, at our school and the head coach. Um, he's a great man. Uh, great teacher, very patient, um, but he's also very demanding. And so I grew quickly in my knowledge of how to coach linebackers and I grew quickly in my knowledge of defense. And now I'd, I would say I'm pretty proficient in defense, um, especially with like 33 stack, four, two, five defenses. Um, I'm pretty proficient in those. And I think I could um, confidently coach those now, but at the end of last season, the the guy who was the offensive line coach for the last few years, um, his he's not a teacher. He works somewhere else closer to Richmond, and he was traveling back home every day, and it was a lot of stuff on his plate. And he wasn't necessarily always at practice every day. Um, and Coach Mullinax told me that he had decided to step down as being the the head offensive line coach and, and be more of like an assistant, like a kind of a helper. And at that moment, I was like, I want that job. I told him on the field when he told me, he's like, I, I want you to consider me for that job. Um, and so he interviewed me again and we talked it over and he talked it over with the offensive coordinator. And now I'm the uh, varsity offensive line coach at Brentsville District High School. And I'm really excited and really nervous at the same time because this is um, – my ultimate goal is to become an offensive coordinator. But I think one of my dream jobs was to be the O-line coach because I just missed – I missed uh, being with the offensive line. So um, this is – I'm really excited, but I, I'm nervous because I, I feel a little bit of pressure because we're supposed to have a good season this year, hopefully, if we get to play in the spring. So hope I don't screw it up. <laughs> No, no, it's hard to screw it up with the line because we got rules and everything stays the same. Um, I was going to say something. Uh, now I, you see, I'm drawing a blank. Um, no, I had the same thing. Uh, I was always offense. I coach offensive line, defensive line. That's what I play. That's what I know. That's what I coached at my high school. And then I went to going to Eastern Illinois. The high school is right down the street at Charleston. I went to the head coach. It's his first year. He's the D coordinator. Now he's the head coach. He's like, I'm interested. What do you want to coach? And I said – Offensive line, defensive line, that's what I know. He goes, okay. Next day, he, he I was coaching track. He finds me on the track. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. 
And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. All right, you're going to be running backs, linebackers. You're going to be assistant to the varsity defensive coordinator and call the JV defense. Go learn it right now. I said, okay. <laughs> Never did before. It was the 3-4, so I had to go learn that and uh, learned it very quickly. But then he kind of kept me under his wing with offense, so I did like both. So I was overwhelmed a little bit. But then uh, I became offensive coordinator, and then I'd start back all over again. And uh, this was going to be my first year in my high school, so I get the nervousness. Like, I'm the run game coordinator. Like, it's going to be, you know, whatever. But luckily, I had the experiences. But I had some bad experiences, and sometimes you learn more from those. So it will all be good. Oh, coaching online, it comes right back to you. When you played it, it comes right back to you. It's like riding a bike um so moving on like it sounds like you're pumped up to be back that was my next question like you pumped to be back on offense because i know you loved offense and you're pumped to be yeah i know you're nervous but i think it's more of an excitement like you're back on offense i hate coaching defense i'll lose my hair you know i'll lose my hair coaching defense or being a decoy it has to be offense so how pumped are you um you know you could just kind of repeat yourself i guess you were very pumped up to be there um going into my next question when i moved up to the suburbs about two and a half three years ago i've had coaches reach out to me for new jobs um just to talk to me and it's always i need an o-line guy it's never i need a quarterback guy i need a wide receiver guy i really need an o-line guy the school i just got went to the summer the head coach he was the d coordinator and offensive line coach and i became the head coach he had to coach offensive line. He said that was the first time. He had never played offensive line, never coached it, but he had to do it. So he's like, I need an O-line guy. And I started to think, is there a shortage of offensive line guys? Like, does nobody want to coach the big boys anymore? Do they think that the quarterbacks and the running backs and stuff, that's the newspaper headlines? Like, I love coach offensive line. We're the only ones that get to hit every single play. And there's a language, an offensive line language, like only we know how to speak it. So is there a shortage? Am I just losing my mind during quarantine and thinking that, or what do you think? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure there's a shortage of O-line guys, but I know there is a, uh, there's an excess of quarterbacks coaches out there. Um, like you said, and um, most, I think part of it is it's just a product of its day, especially people who are NFL and college uh, fans and they want to get into coaching what do they see they see Sean McVay what does he coach he coaches like the quarterbacks and wide receivers and he doesn't coach the offensive line but he's an offensive guru um, and so everybody thinks they're the off- next offensive guru um, and so what do they want to do they want to coach quarterbacks because that's the that's the fastest way to glory um, unfortunately for offensive and defensive line there is no glory um, it used to be in the past that as an offensive coordinator, it was almost a given that you were the offensive line coach. Not anymore. Um, Now it's basically the opposite. If you're the coordinator, you're probably a quarterback's coach or a running back's coach or a receiver's coach. Um, And 
I think it takes a special kind of person. Now I'm not calling myself special. I think it takes a different type of person. I think it takes somebody who is used to not getting the glory. So it's, it, it's usually, it has to be somebody who was an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman when they were playing. Um, or it, it could be a, uh, someone who never played before. You know, there's a lot of coaches out there who've never played the sport before and they're still great coaches because they're willing to learn. Um, and so you have to be willing to not get any of the glory because what happens when you win? Oh, nobody gives a crap about the offensive line. That running back had a really good game. Well, that quarterback threw for 300, 300 yards, you know, stuff like that. They, the offensive line doesn't get any of that glory. Um, they might get a mention in like the back of the paper. Um, but who's the first person that gets blamed when the quarterbacks get sacked? It's the offensive line and the offensive line coach, right? Um, so it takes a certain kind of person to be able to handle that. Um, but, and, and, and nothing against the special specialist coaches and stuff like that. Cause there's a lot of, there is a lot of technique, um, coming to play quarterback and running back and stuff like that. But as the offensive line coach, um, if you're the quarterback's coach, you're coaching one kid on the field. If you're the running back's coach, unless you're running like a th three running back offense, you got one or two kids on the field. Yep. As an offensive line coach, and if you're like me, I'm going to be taking on a little bit of responsibility with tight ends as well because we haven't had tight ends in our offense in the last few years. I'm going to have five to six different types of kids on the field who all need to know different, different techniques they all need to know um, what their particular job is on each particular play. Um, and that takes time and it takes a guy with a lot of patience. So you have to have patience and you have to be able to not um, get glory and be okay with that. And unfortunately in this, in this day and age, most people are, want that instant gratification. And how do you get that instant gratification? It's all about the quarterback. That's where that, that's my two cents into that question. Yeah, uh, when I became offense coordinator my first time, I didn't have I wasn't given a position. We had just enough coaches. I'd have to do one thing. Now, if a coach wasn't there, I took over. And a lot of time, as the quarterback coach or the wide receivers coach, then the next year we had a guy that was more comfortable with offensive line. I said, I'll take the quarterbacks. You do offensive line. That's fine. And at first, I loved it because it was different. You know, I never coached it. You know, I'm like, okay. Then I realized having three quarterbacks, all you do is throw the ball, throwing it into the garbage can. You're working on RPOs. That was about it. And every time I glance over to the promised land and look at the offensive line, I'm like, man, they're hitting each other, hitting the sled. Mm -hmm. um, now, I would go coach a different position because it's fun to coach something different, but there is something about offensive line that you just love. Um, and then as offense coordinator, my eyes always went to the box. I was coaching quarterbacks, but my eyes always went back to the box. I was never on the outside. And I think that's because I coach offensive line, you know. So getting back to a run game coordinator this year, I'm in charge of tight ends, H-backs. Like when we actually get into it, like I have to – because we're going to run it close to a Gus Malzahn type of thing. We're going to run the ball a lot, but we're going to spread them out. So I'm going to have mm -hmm. six, seven people <laughs> sitting in there. Uh, and I was an offensive line coach last year, so I had to deal with those kids. Um, but there is a special language there. I skipped over questions, so we're going to go back just a hair. So you coached defense the last two years, I think you said, you were linebackers. 
So I know what coaching defense did for me on the offensive side of the ball, and you'll find out when you get into it this year exactly what it's going to do. So what do you think coaching defense has helped with the offensive side? You know, because I had to learn defense, now I understand it more. So what do you think coaching defense is going to help with the offensive side when you get to it this spring? Well, coaching under Coach Mullinax was the most – it is the most educational experience I've had – I've ever had as a coach. Um, besides what I got when I was in college and I didn't realize I was getting coaching experience doing that. Um, because before then I thought I knew what playing defense was like, but now I really know what defense is like. And I know how a defensive coordinator thinks because I've had to prepare for that myself. I, there were a couple times there was once where I had to take over for the JV defensive coordinator who was miss who had to go see his parents in another state. Um, and so, and I work under with really closely with the defensive coordinator. And so I basically it's now I kind of know how defenses are thinking. And so as an offensive line coach, particular in particular, I, I understand the different fronts better. Uh, I understand the difference between a 33 stack, a four, two, five. Uh, I understand the difference between the, the three, four and the, the five, three, all the different defenses. Um, and now I will understand better what the defense is trying to do, which helps me understand what I should attack. Where are those weaknesses in those defense? Um, you know, Coach Mollax is probably not going to like it when I say this, but in the 33 stack, if you run, if you run a lot of uh, cover three, the weaknesses on the field are the flats and the seams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can be up the middle or if you run jet sweep or something like that, there's a couple different weaknesses there. But if you understand where the weaknesses are in the defense, you can exploit it. Um, and so I think that's really going to help me understand the weaknesses in the different fronts. And it's going to help me when I'm on the sideline, if, if the offensive coordinator ever asked me what I want, what I would like to see run, which I highly doubt that's going to happen. Um, if that ever happens, I'll, I'll know what I want to be run. And so if I ever do get a job as a coordinator, um, again, it's a big if, I think that because I have the knowledge of what it's like to be a defensive coach and where those weaknesses are, it'll help me understand where I'm supposed to exploit those weaknesses and um, potentially make you a better offensive coordinator um, and better offensive line coach. Um, Plus, nice thing was I was able to study the offenses of all of our opponents every single week. Mm-hmm. So I was still able to learn offense at the same time that I was learning defense, which was a pretty sweet gig um, because my job was to watch the film and uh, come up with our strategy. Since I was a linebackers coach, I was coming to help them come up with a strategy to how to stop the run and understanding the run game. And the, <clears throat> the cornerbacks coach was understanding the passing game. So I kind of had to understand both, but um the reason I was I liked that was because I could see what other teams were doing, how they were attacking defenses, how they were attacking us, um, and learn what the other coaches are thinking. So it, if um, 
if any offensive guy ever asked me what's the number one thing that they could do to make themselves a better offensive coach, I tell them to go coach on the defensive side of the ball for a few years. Um, I know it's going to suck because it's not where your heart is. It wasn't where my heart was either. Um, but I, I never once got down on myself thinking, well, this is what I, is what I want to do. I just learned. Um, I knew coming in that I just needed to learn as much as I possibly can and just keep learning. And I still do. I, I'm still learning. I, I know for a fact I don't know anything. <laughs> so I keep telling that my, to myself all the time because I used to be that arrogant young coach who thought they knew everything. Mm-hmm. And I took a hard look at myself and was like, I don't like myself. I don't like, you know, constantly like trying to fight people on Twitter. I don't, you know, um, the only thing I post nowadays are the, the new podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's all I really post anymore. I don't, I don't get in on the Twitter beefs or anything like that. So um, I kind of went on a ramble there, but uh, that's no, no, what you, defense was like. It was a humbling a lot, experience. Yeah. You said a lot of good things. And one thing I like that you said, because I was thinking about it was you're watching offensive film. And so even though your game plan had to stop it, a part of you is like, Ooh, I, I like, like for me, uh, when we were down there, we we faced a lot of spread teams, but it was to run the ball. So I was like, oh, I like that. I like that. Um, and then we were all young coaches. I, you know, when I coached at my high school, which was a good thing and a bad thing, um, I was there for about three seasons. So I thought I knew it all. So when I went to coach at the other school, I was like, oh, I could do this or do that. And that first year coach, uh, his name was Coach Hogan. It was his first year. He's a defense coordinator, became the head coach. And when he made me be defense, I was kind of bratty about it. I was like, why do I have to do this? Even though I was still learning, I didn't realize I was learning. And then I wasn't going to come back. And then he convinced me. And then I finally just kind of one day a light bulb went off and I was like, now I get what's going on. You know, I was, because when I become an offense coordinator, I was 24, 25 years old when I was offense coordinator. So I was young even, but because I went through that so young offense coordinator, I was like, I can, I can do this now. But now that I'm older, I realize I don't yell as much or if I do, it's very stern. It's not, you know, kicking dirt, you know, so I'm getting older and it's, and the day you stop, you think, you know, everything you stop learning, you need to stop coaching because it's mm-hmm. even Nick Saban and, and Dabble Swing, they learn something new every year. There's something they don't know. Um, so of course, you know, we're in this COVID-19 era, everything's changed. Um, I assume a lot of the protocols in Virginia are exactly the same as they are here in Illinois, how you have to clean everything, you know, group sizes, um, so in Illinois, just the real short version is um, they keep changing their ideas. They keep changing their decisions. Um, they turn it over to the state of Illinois to make the decisions. And at one point, we could have groups of 10 during the summer. But it was only bodyweight workouts. You couldn't do any football. Then um, near the middle of July, it turned into groups of 50. But they had to be six feet apart. Um, you could start doing football stuff, but it couldn't be tackling helmets. And then they switched the season to spring. So now we're doing nothing. So what, what's changed in Virginia with this COVID-19 stuff? Well, um, I, don't, I don't know if other coaches have uh, any idea of what's going on in Virginia, but we have also been uh, moved to the spring, the entire state under um, the VHSL, which is the Virginia High School League. Um, that runs all of the high school sports except for the private schools in our in our uh, state. They moved everything to the spring. Um, 
and it's an interesting thing where the winter sports like wrestling, basketball, they're going to start in mid-December. Um, and then the spring sports are going to start in mid-February. And then the or wait, the, the fall sports are going to start in mid-February. So football, we could start in mid-February. Um, and then the spring sports start, I believe, in April. Now, our, uh, our county has been a little bit behind on allowing us to start workouts and stuff. They've been very cautious because we're a very heavily populated county. And ours is one of the ones that was hit the hardest with the numbers of COVID. And so they're like, uh-uh, we're not doing anything. And um, since the governor uh, basically canceled the rest of the school year back in March, I haven't seen, I have not physically seen, been in the same room with any of the players. I've seen them all on Zoom, but that's about it. Uh, we haven't even been able to work out no workouts at all. Um, and so what we've done up to this point is we've, our, our head coach is, he's an over communicator, but he's been very good with communicating with these kids and all the rules and regulations. And he's been sending them workouts they can do and all that kind of stuff. But we finally got the green light yesterday um, that our county is going to allow us to start working out again. Uh, doing some off-season training. And so our first off-season training is going to be a um, couple of days after we start school in mid-September. Um, so we'll start some off-season training. I think it's at the moment we're not doing any like throwing the ball or anything like that. We're not getting like offensive line together and doing drills or anything like that. It's just um, a lot of like body weight stuff and like exercises and conditioning, getting, trying to get slowly get them back into shape because we don't want to overwhelm them when they first come back. Cause a lot, some, I guarantee you a lot of these kids haven't, they've been sitting in front of their, their TV playing Fortnite the whole time uh-huh. or whatever, whatever the brand new game is. I think Fortnite's still popular. Um, that's a, a unpopular opinion is uh, I've actually never played Fortnite. <laughs> so, oh, come on, man. I haven't played it in like three months, but yeah, I played it. So I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, my game is uh I still have my copy of NCAA 14 and my PS3, so I still play that. So funny, Uh, I'm going to cut you off. Funny story with that. I had all of them except up to 14. I remember when NCAA 14 came out, it always came out around my birthday in November, and I always got it for my birthday or Christmas. I remember telling, I think my mom always bought it. I'm a mama's boy, so she'll buy it. I said, oh, don't worry about it. I have 13. They're all the same. We'll get it later when it's cheaper because for Xbox, you know, they're always 60 bucks or whatever. If by damn, they, you know, they stopped making it. Now they're, it's 150 bucks to go buy one. So when this quarantine happened, I saw on Facebook, everyone was playing it again on Xbox. I said, this is the perfect time. I get my Xbox 360 out. Doesn't work. Won't turn on. I think it just sat there too long. Thank God my buddy was selling one for like 25 bucks and mailed it to mm. me because he's a big, like he's a part-time professional gamer. Like he's a probation officer, but on the side, he does the tournaments. They won $20,000 from call of duty one time. Like, wow. so he's like, yeah, so it was in good shape. Send it to me. I started playing it. I was like, Oh my God, I'm in love. I haven't tried my Xbox one since I've been playing that. So it's funny. You brought that up. I was like, oh, I've been playing that all quarantine. So, uh, who do you play with and what offense do you run? 
when I was in high school playing it, um, we always had to go with U of I because we grew up 20 minutes from there. But then we really liked to go, my friend growing up, he loves Oregon. And when we were in high school, that's when Oregon had their spread and it's all fun. And so we would do that. When I've been playing now, I start off as an offensive coordinator, but I pick a bad school, like whatever bad school it is. Now, when I was younger, I hated the recruiting part. I just simmed through it. This time I actually try to recruit. I think the last time I played, I started off, FAU was terrible on one of the games. So I start off like there and then you just move up, move up. I think right now I'm OC at like a, oh, where'd I go? UCLA, I think it was. Yeah. That's where I ended. I just kind of bounce around. Now, back in the yeah. day, I'd pick one spot and stay there. It was always one team. But I missed that game. I had to go buy it. Yeah, I, um. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. If I'm playing like an exhibition game, I usually play as Army. That's um, <laughs> one of my favorite team. Like, I don't like the offense that they have for Army on there. It does. It's not representative of what they do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I usually play as them, or I'll play. Um, Oh, if I'm doing a dynasty that recently I uploaded like a team that I created, like a random team I created and I've been just uh, building them up. And that's probably the longest dynasty I've had. Cause I don't know why I send, I tend to get bored after like three or four seasons on dynasty. Once I reach like the top schools or whatever, like if I get to Oregon or Bama or something, you know, I, I kind of get bored with it. Cause then you just beat everybody down <laughs> and it's not yeah. like a challenge. Um, but I usually play the offense that I am the best at. The one that I know the best is the um, the spread option uh-huh. offense they have on there. I I just love running that spread option, the pistol and the spread and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I kind of like created an offense. I created like a pistol-based offense that had a lot of spread in it that I wanted to be influenced by what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. Uh-huh. So they got a couple like double tight sets and pistol and some heavy run game, but you know, still have the ability to run triple option or re- zone read and have the air raid passing game run and shoot. So the run and shoot concepts are some of my favorite ones to run. Uh, they're constantly open. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's ridiculously, they're constantly open. Um, so we kind of got uh, off topic there talking about NCAA. Well, you got to talk about it because they got to make it again. At some, you, you, somebody has to 
Start well, I know players and start making it. Come on now. I know there was a group of people like down in Alabama who were trying. They were trying to get funding to make do like a startup of like a completely customizable one, but one that didn't have any of the teams on it. And a lot of people were behind it, but I haven't heard anything about it for like two years. So I'm assuming they just kind of fell through. Well, there's that Doug uh, Flutie game, and which sucks. <laughs> it's not good well they're coming up the second one's being made and they are showing clips and they're talking about they it's so much better and people are posting how it's better than the first one so that's the closest well, I've thing heard that, like i've heard that like they don't have triple option and it's oh, not well, an they, NCAA game without the triple option i'm we'll, sorry we'll get to that in a second yeah. we'll get to, <laughs> all right my five listeners we got off topic but NCAA is NCAA. You got to talk about it. That's some of those kids that we coach don't even know what that is, or they might have heard of it. They don't know. They have no idea. Um, this next one, I think we've all talked about on your podcast, but I put it on there. We're going to ask anyway. No politics, because this, the Big Ten and Pac 12 canceling got into some politics. You know, team doctor saying one thing, the other team doctor saying the other. So we don't get political here because politics turns into you're wrong, I'm right, shut up, you know, whatever. So, how does this work with the Big Tw- or Pac-12 and the Big Ten canceling? Um, when you got the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 are going to play, do they know something we don't know? Um, do they don't want to lose the money? Do they feel the kids are going to be safer at the school than going home? Because Nick Saban's come out and said that they are safer with me than they are going home. They might get – if they're in a bad neighborhood, they're going to get killed. If they're sent at home, are they going to get the virus? They're safer here. Um, or do they care more about the billions of dollars that they might lose? Yeah, this is a hard topic. Um, I think there is something to be said about how at a big school that has a lot of resources, they, they can be safer there at the school if they are kind of quarantined there and they don't go out if they are are in like a bubble like situation I think that could be a safe situation unfortunately um you know these schools like North Carolina and there was another one recently Auburn you know they go back and what do the kids want to do when they go back they want to go out and party that's what they went to college for a lot of them and they don't care they think they're invincible but what happens when all those when all the other kids come back? They're going to spread the virus, and your football players are going to get it. Um, and so I'm not exactly sure. I totally agree with the statement that they're safer there. Um, you know, again, we're not getting political. I, I I I'm not going to talk about whether or not young people will get it or not, and whether or not it, it harms them because we don't know. Really, we don't know the long-term consequences because it's new. You know, we we still are only just now learning. Nobody's talking about it right now, but we're still learning about CTE, uh-huh. you know, and, and that was a big deal a long time ago, and we didn't cancel, you know, whole seasons because of CTE. Um, and so my big thing is, I don't think anybody knows what's really going on. There's people out there who, who believe they know. <laughs> There's people out there who will shout what they believe to the, the sky and to, to heck with anybody else who doesn't believe in them. Um, but I'm not 100% positive that the, code, the, the COVID protocols that a lot of these schools have put into place are 100% effective. Look at Rutgers. Look at Vanderbilt. 
Notre Dame had to cancel practice a couple uh, like last week. A bunch of schools are canceling practice here left and right, and I, I don't know, and I'm not going to claim that I know. Um, there's there are claims out there that there might be long term side effects in the young in young people. Um, I kind of had it in my head that, um, you know, apparently the news a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago said, oh, you know, well, really young kids, they don't get the virus or, you know, something like that. That was like the headline. But the problem is they read the headline of a uh, scientific research study. They didn't really read the study. And it was one study that was done in China on a very small portion, a very small population of, of kids. What a lot of people, a lot of people don't know statistics. I had to go through a butt ton of statistical training in college. Um, Cause if you're a biologist, you have to do a lot of statistics. No offense, but a hundred kids is not going to tell you what, the, the virus is going to do to the rest of the world's kids. Mm -hmm. That's, too, that's too small of a population size. So you can't extrapolate from there. That's a big science word extrapolation. Um, you can't extrapolate from there. And so you have to take everything you see on the news with a grain of salt. And I came up with a theory in my head. Again, I don't claim to know anything, but what if, you know, who, who are the people that we protected the most when all this stuff started to happen. It was the kids. People were pulling their kids out of school. They were keeping their kids home, staying home from work to make sure their kids were safe. We have been very protective of our, our children. Maybe that's why they don't get the virus because they haven't been exposed to it like the rest of us have. Um, and then we're gonna say, okay, just throw them out in the world and they'll be just fine. I'm not necessarily convinced. Um, I'm not convinced that it's going to be a problem either. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm agnostic on this topic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If I start talking about it, I might get political. I don't get political, but every day, I won't get into it, but if everybody got on social media today, the CDC changed their guidelines already to say, if you're asymptomatic, you're not quite as dangerous as you, they thought, mm -hmm. and you don't need to be tested. So now it's like, in my mind, what the hell is going on? That's, that's all I said today. I was like, what the hell is going on? I, I don't get it. Um, they say if you wear a mask for 14 days straight, everybody in the world, it would have been gone by now. And I'm like, it just doesn't disappear. Don't tell me it's just going to go away. So well, I don't this know. Is not, it's not going to go away. It's going to be one of those things like the regular flu. It comes back every year. It's just the different strain of the flu. So we're going to eventually have different strains of, of COVID. It'll be COVID 2021 or something like that. And, you know, it's probably, if we ever get a, um, I'm not sure if we're going to get a, oh crap, I'm having a brain fart right now. A vaccine? Vaccine. There you go. Thank you. I'm not sure we're going to get a, a vaccine anytime soon. Um, and I'm worried about flu season. Uh, and that's going to be, pardon my language, that's going to be a clusterfuck. Because <laughs> um, my wife's the nurse and, and she used to work at a hospital and a bunch of her friends still worked at hospitals. And they said the first wave of COVID was horrible. Uh -huh. 
horrible on our hospital system. And they say it's still bad. It's just people don't see it that much anymore in the news because it's just kind of the norm now. Um, I don't know. And then somebody else pointed out one day that the average age of people dying from COVID is like older than the average age of people dying from everything else. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I don't know if, if it's just going to run through us and then we'll become kind of like herd immunity or I don't know. Yeah. So. We got off topic again. I didn't mean we get off topic here. That's fine. Sideline podcast. <laughs> We're on the sideline. We talk about other stuff. The last thing with COVID was then I don't trust, I trust the numbers, but some numbers you saw the NFL players get false positive. So in my mind, again, this is not saying I don't believe in certain things. I just read it and it's fine to the point to say, what the hell, what the hell is going on? It's no more questions. That's my only question. You know, what the hell is really going on? And I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I think we'll find out November 4th is what I think. November 4th or November 10th, somewhere in there, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find see. out. All right. I told you at the beginning we weren't going to take forever, but we might because this next question. Um, so background for my five listeners, if you listen. Well, it wasn't recording on Coach's podcast. We had about six or seven coaches. Everybody there, I think, at their high school or something, runs some type of wing tee, pistol wing tee, beer. I'm not sure. They were all talking about it. Or a power run different stuff i'm sitting here going i haven't coached in a tie-dye type offense in a couple years i can't contribute to this off-air conversation i'm a spread guy i'm sitting here going i've ran the spread for four years i i can't contribute so when i had coach bennett on i had to ask him why the wing t yeah so i have to ask coach ever because if people don't know way back when i remember he was a big advocate for the wing t now, I'm going to say my small piece of the wing okay. team. Maybe it'll help you elaborate more on what I'm thinking. Now, before anything, I don't get into arguments with people about it because I love offenses. I will watch Army on TV. You know, I watch all that. When it's blocking good, those guys are on point. It looks good, and you can win with it. It's been proven you can win with the wing T. Flip side of that, the spread to me kind of does the same thing, depending on what you're doing. And, and to me, what it comes down to is your kids. If you're going to yes. run the air raid and pass it over and over again, that's fine. But what if that one year you get a quarterback that can't throw it six yards? You need to adapt. Maybe you have to have a hand down tight end to run the ball a little bit. What if you have an offensive line that's 320 pounds across the board? You're not going to pass block the whole game. They need to go forward. So if you can adapt, I'm all for it. And that's kind of what mm-hmm. Coach Bennett said. He was like, you know, run the wing team. But if you got this, do this. Mm-hmm. So I hate seeing on Twitter when people say, you know, the air raid is soft or spread teams are soft. Let me tell you something. People don't know Mike Leach. One of the first things, if you read books, his wide receivers have to block. He, he straight up said, I'm not going to throw you the ball if you're not going to go block for people because he loves his uh, screens. And he yeah. took that from the rocket tosses of the wing tee. They said that's kind of where they got it from. It was just a quick – they just throw it. You know, instead of tossing, they throw it. Um, and then the last part. A wing tee, what kind of scares me if I ever ran it, what if you're down 21 nothing? To me, being a wing tee, does that put you in a situation to come back into the game? You know, and here's my small example. This year, we were down to a team 21 nothing going in the second quarter. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. we're already thinking, you know, crap, you know. But we're, we're a spread team. We kind of run – we can run Auburn stuff. But we can throw the ball, too, a little bit. We, we're in a spread, and all of a sudden we just throw the ball, throw the ball, we score. 
Okay. They throw an interception. We get the ball right back. Again, we're spread team. We're, we're running power read, power read, zone. Now quickly RPO, then another quick deep pass. We score again. We're right back in. And now it's 21-14 and a snap of a finger. So with that all being said, convince me of the wing tee. Those are my thoughts about it. I just, you know, if you're down in a game, that's my last point. So tell me the wing tee. Why the wing tee? Convince me. Coach, make Coach Alball proud. <laughs> um, why the wing tee? That's a very, uh, for me, it's a very complicated, very deep question. Um, and yes, I, for a long time, I, I was a huge advocate for the old school dinosaur offenses is what we called it at the time. Wing T, single wing, double wing, stuff like that. Delaware, um, Delaware wing T. Yeah. Which is a book um, I've never bought yet. It's too expensive for my blood, but. And, you know, the last few years, I really haven't, especially last year, I was like, I'm just not going to talk to people on Twitter on Saturdays or Sunday. You know, I'm just not going to even get on. Um, it's, you know, just kind of got a little negative every once in a while. And yeah, I agree. There are a lot of people on there. And I think uh, for the most part, a lot of it's just good natured ball busting. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we all, we, we have a general respect for each other on Twitter, but there are some guys on there who did, who tend to be kind of very much trolls about it. Um, the only time I really, because I love all offenses, kind of like you were talking about, um, Yes, I, whenever Army and Navy are on TV, I'm watching. Whenever uh, a Mike Leach offense is on TV, unfortunately for me, I'm on the East Coast. Washington State would never start a darn game until like 11 o'clock at night. And I've got two young kids, and I'm like dog tired from, you know, being with them all day. So I hardly ever got to really watch their games all the way through. Um but I love his philosophy. A lot of people ignore the fact that, yes, he did get a lot of his philosophy from wing T coaches. Mm -hmm. um, and for me personally, like, obviously I grew up running the wing T in, in high school. Um, and to be totally honest, I had no idea what offense we were running when I was playing high school football. My coach never told me we were running the wing T because I didn't give it, I didn't give a damn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanted to play football. Um, but I was, I was an offensive guard, a five, nine, 220 pound offensive guard. Um, and a lot of guys are like, Oh, that's not bad. But at our high school, we had some pretty big boys on the offensive line, but I actually got to play my junior and senior years as a small offensive defensive lineman through the wing T system. Uh, lots of pulls, lots of down blocks. I didn't have to dominate block anybody. Mm -hmm. um, so offensive line wise, I really love gap schemes because for the most part, if you need to dominate someone at the point of attack, they're going to get double teamed, mm -hmm. right? And they're going to get dominated through a double team. Uh, and you can cut block, you can cut block the hell out of people in the wing tee, which is, I love it. Um, I know the, the biggest thing that I love about the wing tee is the philosophy part. Um, there's a couple people out there who agree with me on this. Um, the wing T offense is not a formation. It's not a play. You know, every time somebody talks wing T, they think, oh, it's buck sweep. 
or it's the under center tight end wing one receiver or no receivers um it's not necessary you know it could be pistol it could be shotgun it could be you could run air raid passing game and run wing t run game and you can use the wing t philosophy it's all about the if then uh-huh. what's the defense giving me and do i understand what i'm supposed to do next right there's a lot of people out there uh, i mean i was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about if you look at all the state championships this year across the board there's going to be somebody running the wing t who's going to win a state championship there's going to be somebody running the air raid who's going to win a championship there's going to be somebody running the pro i or the double wing or the single wing they're all going to win a championship but guess what there's going to be a lot of those schools out there running those offenses that are going to stink right it's not always about the offense um for me it's more about the formation it's more about the philosophies and understanding your offense if you're running air raid you better know your offense inside and out because mike leach doesn't have to look at a giant nfl size play card to know what to call next right he's just like all right they did this i'm running mesh they did this i'm running stick they did this i'm running y cross or i'm running four verts um you know all those kind of things or, or, you know, screen. And that, that's a wing T philosophy in a nutshell. Um, doesn't matter if it's up tempo, no huddle spread. That's what I love. You know, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I've been coaching in a power spread a lot. Like we, we have a heavy influence from Auburn and Clemson. Um, we run, we do run buck sweep. We do run tight. Oh, we're going to run some tight end run a lot of stuff with H-backs. We run the ball. We spread We spread the formations out to run the ball. Uh-huh. And we have a really good quarterback who can, who can run the ball just as well as he can throw it. So I've fallen in love with that recently. And if... Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. If I was the offensive coordinator somewhere, I would likely run a, a blend of pistol, shotgun, um, wing T base offense, but out of the spread. With, you know, I, you have to know the the ins and outs. You have to know the if-then situations for everything. Um, one of the arguments that I had for, like, if I'm talking, like, specifically the old-school Delaware under center wing tee, um, it's one of those offenses that is the least talent-dependent offenses, meaning you can run this offense – it's like the double wing. You can run this offense with an offensive line that averages 150 pounds, run it foot to foot, run superpower all day. You're going to get some yards. You're going to win some games if you know what you're doing as the coach. You know the right play calls. Um, same thing with the single wing. With the wing T, it's all about if the coordinator knows what he's doing, if he's worth his salt, 
you don't have to have a dominant O-line. You don't have to have a quarterback who can throw it 50 yards to the sideline for a bubble screen, right? Because a lot of people don't think about this. Bubble screens are a hard throw. Mm-hmm. They're pretty far. You're throwing it across the field. It, it's not exactly just right, right in front of him. Um, and so, for me, some of the spread offenses, like what I call the cookie-cutter spread, you know, the one that, like, every – person who thinks they know football tries to run when they put their youth team out on the field running inside zone zone read bubble screen four verts you know they think they know what they're doing um that kind of uh tell you a little story here my first year at garfield high school um i hope none of the people who are from there hear this (laughs) um they were running illinois bread we don't know yeah, so um, we they were running a what I call the cookie cutter spread at the varsity level when I was coaching the freshmen, um, and we were running like kind of like a pistol little offense. I was at their first game, and they were going up tempo, no huddle, and it was it was horrible watching it, and it was three plays, fourteen seconds off the clock. And then the, next, the other team gets on the field, scores again. Three plays, 20 seconds off the clock, off the field. The other team gets on the, on, the, on the field again, scores again. And they lose like 50 to nothing. And I'm like, I don't ever want that to happen to me. You know? Um, and so I've always been wary of running up-tempo just to run up-tempo. I've always been wary of running spread just to run spread. Um, and I, and the, one of the only times I ever really get on Twitter and I'll talk to somebody is if I see somebody like, oh, this offense is stupid. Why would you ever run this? You know, it's like every offense has merit. The double wing has merit. You know, it wins championships. It also loses a lot of games. It, it's not always about offense. I kind of went off topic here, but, um, no, I'm going to rebuttal off that here in a second. It's just one of those it's one of those offenses that doesn't require great talent. And there are a lot of like spread teams out there that what they do on offense requires talent. I feel personally, I know there's a lot of coaches out there who are probably going to disagree with me. I think inside zone, inside zone, outside zone, zone schemes require talent on the offensive line you gotta have a good offensive line you gotta have a smart offensive line because it takes a lot of coaching to coach up the different combos because i have to coach we put we run a lot of outside zone in our offense i have to coach that up it takes a lot of mental capacity in my brain to know all the different techniques you have to run versus different defenses and all that kind of stuff what what do you do how do you react to what the other offense, uh, the defense does? And if you've got chunky kids who aren't very smart, and it's going to be difficult. Um, it's going to be a challenge. I'm not saying you can't do it. I know it's been done. Um, and if it's like the – I'm a big believer in uh, the KISS philosophy, keep it simple, stupid. Um, 
I think a lot of coaches out there are running too many plays, too many run schemes. If you run inside zone, outside zone, you better not be running 50 different other run plays and hope that your kids get good at inside zone and outside zone. You better run inside zone, outside zone until they get good at it. Then you can start adding some new stuff, right? Unfortunately, a lot of coaches get impatient and they think they end up, they think they've got Madden on their hands and they say, well, we went over this. You should know this. And it doesn't always work out that way. Um, Dang, I'm really getting off topic coach. So (laughs) you better, you better uh, make me stop here. (laughs) No, I agree with all what you're saying. And I knew, like I said at the beginning, I'm not here. I don't get arguments with people because they're, you know, it's, it's worthless to get an argument with, but there are some coaches out there that just poke fun. Um, I'm one of those. Sometimes I poke fun, but like I respect wing T coaches because there is a philosophy. They have their own system. It's when you start seeing, and here's a funny thing. I'm going to defend the wing T a little bit. When people say they're wing T, you know, they're wing T. When you hear spread, well, what kind of spread are you? Are you a spread to run the ball? Are you spread going to pass it? Are you a option? Like, there's a lot of spread. Are you air raid? It's always find it funny. So I start to say, I just say spread and under center. I don't care anymore. I just say under center or spread. Now, a lot of points you made, I'm going to flip it around because I feel like it's everybody's experience. So if you had a good experience with wing T, that's what you're going to do. If you didn't, you're going to get away from it. Um, I'm going to talk about teams here in Illinois just to rebuttal. There's a coach I want to get on here. He's been coaching 20-some years. He's a head coach at a small school in Illinois. I think they have 200 kids. When you hear this team in Illinois, you always think they're going to go to the state title. They just, that's just what they do. They get to the – in Illinois, we play nine regular season games. Then you have four rounds of the playoffs. Then you have your championship. You, when you hear – the school's called Moral Foresight for people out there that don't know. It's Moral Foresight. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I know them because they were on um, Chief Pigskin a couple times. And I yeah, watched their series. That coach, Coach Josius, is a brilliant coach. Um, he has that thing running well. I want to get mm-hmm. him on here one day. I've talked to him a few times, especially because we're in Illinois. He's a big advocate for what was going on with COVID. Um, I watched a video when he first took over. They ran like your under center wing tees, your you know whatever. And they went like, I want to say like seven and 20 or something. It was, it was weird. He finally said, you know, I need some basketball kids. I need this. I'm going to go spread. But he hit it a little bit saying, okay, just because I'm spreading the ball doesn't mean we're going to run your nine or zero right all the way down the field. And so they turned spread and all of a sudden they're competing for final fours, elite eight state titles. So to rebuttal the wing tee, you see some spread teams do that. They flip it and they start winning games. The program gets turned around. So you can make arguments for both. Um, But what he does is he goes to what his kids can do. So at a small school, he goes, there's times I have 160 pounds sopping wet offensive lineman. I'm not going to ask him. They'll still run their inside zone so they can get their RPO, but they're going to double team. They just incorporate the double team. But if you rep it over and over, but he's like, I'm not stupid. I'm going to run screens because they're 160 pounds. They're going to sprint out there to that linebacker, get in his way. I'm going to run screens. Mm -hmm. I'm going to run jets or hand the ball off and, you know, it's going to be in the wide open space. So he's smart enough to adjust. Another school I'm going to talk about, if people haven't watched, people need to look this up. It's Rochester, Illinois. They were on Chief Pigskin not too long ago. Coach Derek Leonard is an offensive genius. He's won mm-hmm. eight of the last 10 state titles. They won five in a row, didn't go the next year, won two in a row, didn't go again, and then just won this last one. 
it was all class 4a in illinois which is anywhere between 700 and a thousand kids then they bumped up to 5a because they were winning too much they still won the state title they were running lincoln riley stuff before he was running lincoln riley stuff so to me i still see these spread teams winning and in Illinois, it's funny. You see 1A, 2A, 3A run wing tees and win the state titles. Then you get to the 4A. Through, we go up to 8A. We go up to 8A. We have schools over, with over four or 5,000 kids. Mm-hmm. They'll run your spread stuff. So it's like the bigger the school, the spread comes out, the wing tee comes out in the smaller schools. And I think it's just because of players. Um, so for you people out there, listen, I'm saying this because this is the type of conversation to have. You don't need to bash each other. You only say this offense is stupid or you don't know anything. You're soft. Um, you can make arguments for both how wing tees can turn programs around. They can demise the program. Mm-hmm. Spread can jumpstart it, but it could also ruin it. I've seen guys go to spread and they're like, this isn't working. It's just not the right thing to do. Um, you didn't sell me on the wing tee. I'm still a spread guy, but I like, I like how you tried. <laughs> Well, I mean, like I said, I'm a, I'm a lover of all offenses. And, and, and like you said a moment ago, those guys, they took a, a traditional, like, old-school offense and they turned it into a, a spread, and they've had a lot of success. Um, since our current head coach has been here, we transitioned from an old-school-type offense. It wasn't exactly wing T or anything like that. It was just old-school. It was like an old wishbone formation not having a lot of success year after year. And now the past three years that he's been there, they've went to the playoffs every, we have went to the playoffs every single year and we're a spread team. We spread it out. We spread it to run because now what we're doing is we're lightening the box because what do defenses tend to do when you throw three, three or four receivers out there, you're going to get two high safeties. You know, you're not going to get that extra safety in the box unless they're doing a stunt or something of that nature. Uh, and so you're going to get a lighter box. Um, now there's a whole argument to be said that, yeah, you're going to get a lighter box, but you've got less blockers at, at the same time, you know, at the point of attack, which is another thing to talk about in another, maybe another day. Um, but for us, we add a little bit of misdirection to it as well with some quarterback runs with a v- excellent athlete at quarterback and people are having fits trying to stop our offense. Um, and so what we are using right now works well for what we've got. Right. Now, that's, that's the thing with wing T people. Because um, I said that to Coach Bennett the other night, and we kind of got on to the whole adjust to your players. Because my whole yep. thing was, what if you're a wing T guy? I don't care what kind of wing I don't care what kind it is, but you're going to run the ball. You get this class that comes in and a quarterback and you start to realize this kid can throw dimes. Like he's on point and you've got one or two fast kids. Now they're going to argue, give them the ball in the backfield. You run rocket tosses or, you know, jets and stuff. But it's like, why not run your stick concept for Mike Leach so it's a quick pass or just add an RPO, keep the stick game, play action, throw it to him, give him the ball. But people sometimes don't adjust to that. And that's where you see kids leave. because like, well, why am I going to stay here if I can throw the ball? That's why I like the spread. This is why I like spread, because you can tighten it down. You can bring mm-hmm. tight ends and H-backs, because people forget about the tight end on defense. They, they can get some passes. They forget. So I think with a, like you said, pistol wing T is even perfect. You can combat it down or widen it out. It doesn't need to be the old school, under center, yeah. unbalanced 
type of stuff. So we just need on my podcast, I made an episode about this. We have to adapt as coaches to what we got in high school. Yeah. And, um, a lot of people don't necessarily think if you, if you look at, let's say you're looking at like the Paul Johnson, um, Georgia tech flex bone, you know, you got your two receivers and your two wingbacks and your fullback. Um, a lot of people don't look at it this way, but I learned this from Rick Stewart, the, um, guy who does the, uh, pistol wing T stuff. Um, even without going pistol, that formation is still a passing threat. Uh -huh. Wing T, the old school wing T formation can still be a passing threat. You can still get four vertical receivers down the field. Um, unfortunately, and this is, um, this is where I'm kind of, I might be bashing the wing T a little bit. I will say that buck sweep takes a lot of practice time. And so there's so you spend so much time practicing the different series in the wing tee, the run game, that you don't have a lot enough time to practice the passing game as much. And so it's a lot of times it's relegated to play action or it's an afterthought. Um, because you think, oh, we're gonna run the ball, we're not gonna need it. But the coaches that know what they're doing, like the ones who've been around for a long time and they're willing to adapt and they know how to adapt, they've had experience. If they get a quarterback that comes in and he can throw dimes and he's the next um, Johnny Manziel or something, they will find ways to get the ball in that, that kid's hands. Uh -huh. There are ways to do it in the wing tee and you don't have to change your offensive system you might change the plays that you run that year. You might change the formations that you run that year. Um, you might go pistol if you want to. I, I'm kind of excited because Rick Stewart is coming out now. He's working with an air raid guy. He's got, he's got his, his uh, pistol wing T system, but they're adding an air raid passing game to it with RPOs. And it's dangerous. I've seen it things like that. It's dangerous. Looks, there's one play in particular. It's a it's a little pop pass off of Belly, mm -hmm. where they have the wing back um, passes through. He does what's called the Bob block. He passes through the guard and the tackle that are doing their cross block, and he's going in to act like the lead blocker. What do defenses tend to do? What do those linebackers tend to do when they see that? They say, oh, crap, here comes Belly. I'm going to move up. Well, he's going to just kind of miss that guy, turn around, and he's going to sit there, and there's nobody within 10 yards of him. That's we, going to be We thick. stole a play like that this past year. We are, The school I was at last year, our bread and butter was power read. Power read, power read. That third and five, it was going to be power read. And we were going to be fourth and one, or we were going to get it. It was nothing in between. And we loved – and then we run power and power read. Eventually, we had an H back there. You know, he keeps – kind of arc into block or whatever. And eventually we just called power read H pop. And he goes to arc. They're, what do they think? They're going to come up, stutter step, boom. Every time we ran that play, it was 15 plus yards. Every time. And so that's, again, why I like the spread, because you can take things from a pistol wing or whatever, incorporate that type of stuff with an H-back. That's why I love H-backs. Um, all right, well. I knew that was going to take a while. I didn't know it was going to take that long. So 
We'll have to get back on maybe me and coach or me coaching another coach and we can talk mm -hmm. some offense on there. Maybe we can share screens. They can draw stuff up for me. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, this is all new. You know, coach is my second guy on here. So we'll, we'll see. So I'm going to end that right there. So coach, any final thoughts for anything out there in the world? I don't care what it is. Anything out there? Well, I really appreciate you having me on and, um, I, I love talking ball and I'd be willing, more than willing to come back on. Um, and I know you're more than willing to come back on my podcast. So a little shameless plug here, uh, come check both of us out, check out the sideline podcast and the armchair coaching podcast. We're both on anchor, uh, Spotify. I think we're both now on Apple podcasts now. So we maybe maybe have hit the big time with that one, but, um, Hey, I will say, I will say, once you showed me that, I did post that on Twitter, and there was a spike in view, in uh, views on our uh, armchair podcast. So that that that'll probably be pretty nice. But um, when I start seeing the checks, I'll know we made it big time. And anybody out there, if we can get Mountain Dew or Bang Energy to sponsor, we'll be good to go. So people out there, maybe my five listeners work for Pepsi or something. Maybe they can get that going. I swear, there's so many people that I know who. It's all coaches, and they drink that bang. And I just – I've never touched the stuff. Uh, I had bad experiences with uh, energy drinks in high school. Um, I don't know if you ever remember uh, NOS, NOS. Mm -hmm. I think they still sell it. They do. I used to love that. Um, I remember I, I drank a NOS right before my uh, junior year history SOL, and I finished that test in 20 minutes. <laughs> I got like above a 500. Uh, and so, and, but then I started getting jittery and anxious and all that kind of stuff. And I just didn't like the feeling. And then I learned a lot more about sugar and I'm staying away from sugar. Um, and so I don't drink regular soda anymore either. It's just a personal choice. I don't, I don't, you know, if that's what you guys like, that's fine. Um, but Hey, there at least half of Bang's revenue has to come from high school football coaches. Has to. That's what I'm saying. So here's the deal. You get sponsored by Bang. I'll drink the product for you. You can show it, but I'll drink it for you. We'll make that deal. Mountain Dew will send to Bennett. I'm not going to drink the Mountain Dew, but Bang, I will drink it for you. Don't, don't you worry. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Coach, for being on here. Um, second guest right now. So like, we're peeling off the Band-Aid. We're, we're just getting these done. Quarantine. Um, everyone stay safe out there. Coach, thanks for coming on. And guys, I'll see you on the next one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.